Good afternoon. It's another great day for a podcast. Yes, it is. You know, it's interesting. Um, I've been pastoring about 28 years, and it's interesting to see how the church has evolved over those all those years. It seems like every five years, things change. And and it's interesting to see as even the baby boomers have gone out and the Gen Xers, uh, which is my generation, has come in and they kind of adapted to the both. Then the, the millennials, which are an enormous a group of people, have come in and they've really kind of reshaped um, how we do church and, and uh, you know, just the way it looks. And I think sometimes in that we can lose sight because... Uh, even though how we do church may change, the principles and uh, truth in the Word of God are as true today as they were for generation after generation after generation. And it's amazing how in just a short period of time, what is so real and common to some is so strange to others. And one of those things is the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't it crazy how... um, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit throughout the entire New Testament, and yet it is probably the the least understood among a number of people who call themselves believers. I mean, have you seen that? I, what was your experience? Yeah. You know, when you got saved, what'd you think about it? Yeah, I I grew up, and I we we had talked about this in a former episode, um, but I grew up in a Pentecostal church where. There was tons of people that would speak in tongues that would yell out during service. Not only that, but my dad would would always be praying in tongues, and I'm like, I don't really know what that what that was. Like Jesus, I believe in you, but at an early age, I remember being baptized in the Spirit, but then didn't really see it after that. And I was like, maybe that was just a one time occurrence, and and it was kind of embarrassing, like to see that in a public setting. Uh, it made me uncomfortable, and so I never really like. And then when I when I was older and uh, had had given my life to Christ, I uh, was you know slain in this like the spirit. The spiritual realm was always weird to me. I just thought it was based off of me and my belief, and I didn't understand really the power or the point uh, of it because it for me it, it one when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, it was at such a young age that you can kind of write off like, oh, that was me or that was just manipulated or so it's always been it's always been confusing and I think that's what a lot of people think today because it is so confusing and weird that they just don't even want to you know delve into that yeah I think you know which is funny because you know for me I grew up as I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 yeah and throughout my entire life uh I, that prayer language has not only developed me it has it builds you up it encourages you and I've seen the power of it in my life and even in the last 10 years, I see the power, the influence, the impact of praying in tongues, not just for, for me or from me, but uh, over people, yeah. praying in the Spirit over people and the impact it makes in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the reason so many people struggle with it in the natural is because it's a supernatural language. Yeah. And we like to understand everything. We want to put in a box... And, you know, and in a certain box of understanding, and I got to know what it means and know what it is. And I think a lot of people fear what they don't know. And and it's interesting to me how many people resist uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit when, in fact, God wants them 
to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and yet they they have been told from a very young age or from a spiritual leader that it was of the devil. Mm. And those family of origin beliefs tend to keep them captive to that uh, idea that it's of the devil. And, yeah. and really, in the kingdom of God, there's a lot of things that the Pharisees had told the Jews that that about Jesus that weren't true, trying to keep them within this box. And Jesus said, you need to repent for the kingdom of God is near. It means you need to think differently. You need to, you need to break away from those things that are really keeping you captive from experiencing God. And by the Holy Spirit, by the way, the Holy Spirit is God. Um, and God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit, his name is God, really. It's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even said, I'm going to go away so that it would be a lot better for you that my spirit, Holy Spirit, could come. Uh, Spirit, Holy Spirit, which means spirit that's set apart from all other spirits. This spirit is the spirit, the spirit of God operating. And, And I think we get scared of that. And some of the things we see, we get scared of those things. And and as long as you're scared of the Holy Spirit, that, then you it really keeps you from experiencing God in the way that God intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not a salvation thing either when it comes to the, when we talk about speaking in tongues. Uh, but it is a, it is a gift. Paul talks about like I wish that all of you could have this secret language. Um, but it's not like it's not a necessity for salvation. And if it is going to be done, and I think this is the problem. People think that uh, they get confused with when you, when you say speaking in tongues, they just think it's just a gift. Uh, because when it, when Paul talks about corporate worship and the gathering mm-hmm. uh, of the body, and when people were to speak in tongues, uh, if it, there was supposed to be a translation, if you were going to do it in, in like corporately, uh, but he, there's a distinction between that and also uh, your private secret language. And so people group them together and they think that speaking in tongues is a gift. Uh, what would you have to say about that? Yeah, it, it, it is a gift. Uh, the tongues is a gift, but yeah. that that's a different type of direction. So I think the best way to explain it is when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the same as the baptism of salvation. Many yeah. people will say, well, I, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got saved. No, no, that's not at all true. That's like saying, I got saved. I'm baptized in water. Yeah. They're two separate events. Hebrews says baptisms. We know that baptism of salvation then there's the baptism in water, and then there's baptism in the Spirit. And when you're baptized in the Spirit, the Bible's very clear. In fact, in Acts, we see it numerous times. And even in outside of Acts, we we see where... They, they're that 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 the spirit groans inside of us. That there's yeah. there's this these words that speak from our spirit. So when you get saved, you're born again, and there's a spirit man. Mm-hmm. That that spirit man has a language. The baptism of the Holy Spirit really kind of releases that spirit man into a language. And the evidence of that baptism of the Spirit, the Bible says, the evidence, the initial evidence, is speaking in tongues. Yeah. And and I get when people don't get baptized, when, when they don't get tongues, they feel the enemy immediately comes in and says, you must not be worthy. It's just a gift. God doesn't want to give it to you. Mm-hmm. We try to justify why we don't, we're not speaking in tongues. Don't do that. Yeah. You don't have to let the enemy condemn you if it it's doesn't all, happen. Yeah, that's the funny thing. We carry in uh, 
somehow, even in something good, we let the enemy trick us into condemnation. Like there's things that, you know, if I'm, we talk about raising people from the dead and because Jesus says we're going to go on to do greater things. And then we let, we slip in condemnation in there that if you're not doing this, you hit them over the head yeah. with it. And, and Christ says there's, there's no condemnation with those who are, are found in Christ. But just like anything, like as you grow, James talks about that, that you move from Glory to glory. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and the reality is, is when you're baptized in the Spirit, He gives a voice to that Spirit man in you. When you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to everyone around you. Yeah. You're speaking to the Father. You're yeah. speaking in a spirit language. You're speaking in a heavenly language. This will be your eternal language. Private so, language. Yeah, yeah, it's not even necessarily private. Like... There, there are times where we're praying in tongues in a very public setting. We're yeah. praying together in tongues. It's like worship to the Lord yeah. in His language. There are times, and, and I have found, this is in the last 10 years that I've discovered this. When doing counseling, um, see, we become a very humanistic church. We, we've become the church that loves TED Talks, teaching us how to cognitively rewire our thinking for transformation. We're going to go into your subconscious and we're going to get you to adapt your way of thinking so that you become the source to your transformation. You become the power that changes your life. And and that's all unbiblical, yeah. right? And so, so in it, we're trying, we, we, like in counseling, you're doing counseling and, and this has happened numerous times where someone has either had an affair and I'm in a marriage counseling situ situation, there's an addiction. And I felt like the Lord has said, just begin praying over the spirit. It's praying in the spirit over them. That's a very public thing. They're not going to understand what I'm saying. The Bible, you know, Corinthians is very clear. It says that your mind is unfruitful when you're speaking in tongues, but in our culture, my mind has to know what's being said. Yeah. Like I I need to be part of this. I need to be I need to know. Knowledge is my source. Without knowledge, how can I have any how, without knowledge, how can I and and the reality is when I'm praying to God, you don't need knowledge for transformation. All you need is God to do something. So I'll pray over them in tongues. And it's incredible what the Lord is showing me. While I'm praying over them in tongues, the Lord is showing me, it's almost like I'm washing them in the, in the perfect language, in a spirit language, washing them. And then when God wants me, wants there to be understanding, he'll drop thoughts into my mind to pray out loud. And I'll pray that out loud. And we understand there's understanding. And then I go yeah. back in the spirit. And it's incredible what happens. And that person, we had no understanding what I was praying in tongues, but when I'm done, there is a shift or a breakthrough that occurs in that person's life. The guilt, condemnation, shame is gone because of the power that comes through praying in tongues. So when I'm praying in tongues, I don't need an interpretation every time I pray because I'm praying to God. He understands. I'm praying yeah. perfect prayer. He doesn't need me to interpret what I'm saying. Yeah. But when God is speaking to a group of people or to me, I need understanding. So then when I give that tongue, which is for a body or public use or for them, from God, it's a word from God, not from my spirit, but from God's spirit through me, 
there is a there's a gift of tongues yeah and that gift mm-hmm. of tongues is god's word the yeah. the gift isn't the tongue the gift is the word yeah that comes mm-hmm. and the interpretation of mm-hmm. that gift so that we can consume it and understanding yeah. is is the difference so one is is uh, the voice of my spirit man not a gift expectation of everyone with the spirit man the other is a gift that god gives us to uh for the common good of the body as mm-hmm. it says of the gifts of the spirit so people will say uh, a lot of times when I hear this question, I'm just going to bring up questions that I hear a lot. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, why didn't he pray in tongues if he if we were to uh, be able to speak in tongues? How do you know he didn't? There's a lot of things Jesus did that we don't know that he did. Nowhere does it say he didn't pray in tongues. Nowhere does it say maybe he... I'm sure there's spots where we, if I were to look in it closer, I'd probably see that. But... Uh, we know one, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon him. You know, we we know that he was perfect, but at baptism, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon him. We know that he breathed upon the disciples. The disciples didn't go out and do miracle signs and wonders because of their knowledge of who Christ was. Because even when the disciples were saved, when they were saved, when the disciples were saved, they were believers. And Jesus said to them, do not leave this place until the promise comes. Yeah. Stay here 50 days. Yeah. Then on the, the, the Pentecost, a feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And how does he come? He comes in the baptism with tongues of fire that rest on him and they speak in tongues. So, so here's the interesting thing. Uh, question for so when you talk about the two baptisms right and this is what people will have they'll think that if they don't speak in tongues that they don't have the spirit of god i've talked to someone before they're like well if i can't speak in tongues does that mean that i have the spirit of god but we know that to be true that well, they have the well, spirit there, of god well there there is they, a big there's a, this yeah there's this discussion what is the spirit when jesus said you have to be born again you know, what was born in you you know, in John chapter three, it says they were born of of uh, flesh and of water and of the spirit, and yeah. it talks about the three. Like you, when you're born again, you see the kingdom. When you're born of water and fire, you're uh, you you can walk in the kingdom of God yeah. and operate in the kingdom of God. Absolutely, you're born again. Uh, you you may not speak in tongues, but the spirit man in you was born. And what is that spirit? That's the that's the God, that's the third part that died when you pulled out of Christ that gave life to that spirit man in you. Quite frankly, it's the fir- perfect part of you. You know, one of the more ungodly things we say as believers is this, I'm not perfect. That's one of the more ungodly things a believer says. Because what you're identifying with is your you're the the person you were before Christ. Yeah. You're not identifying with the perfect part of you, your spirit. Mm-hmm. And when God created you, he said, I'm going to give you, was Adam and Eve perfect? The perfection is, is what God intended to do through you. It's who God intended you to be. When you came to Christ, he restored back to you the identity of that God had for every human being. It brings me to like the thought because I've been going through Genesis a lot recently again. And, uh, and he was like, he, it was the way that I heard it described was when they were naked he's like, who told you you were naked? Right. Right. Cause it was, that's, 
that's how I designed you. And that wasn't meant to be wrong, but you're taking the things that I saw as good and now you're ashamed of it. And so it's interesting, like God is the, the per, like for our whole entire life, this is where people mix it up. Who's the judge? Yeah, God's the yeah. Do we get to decide right no. or wrong? Like no, well, and he does. It it when you know what's happened for a lot of believers, they say, "Yeah, I, I invited Christ to my life. I've made an attachment to my life. Hmm. Christ is your life. Yeah, or He's not your life at all. Yeah, the, w- there's ways of thinking that we have had from the time we're young that when Christ comes into our life, He's going to change the way you think. When you're, when, again and again, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like. He's like, you think the way the world is. You think from earth. When Jesus came to earth, he says, I think from heaven. I change. So there, there are so many things. And, and, and the disciples are like, well, we don't understand those parables. And Jesus is like, if you can't understand the natural things, how will you ever understand the spiritual things, the, the things that are supernatural? Which, which tells you something. It tells you that we often argue and debate on natural things. What are we missing? Yeah. Like, what is really going on? You know, the whole matrix thing? Do what, You're going to take the blue pill, the red pill. Do you really want to know what's taking place? Do you really want to see? Most people would rather ignore reality as it really is and live in this make-believe world of what we think it is and what the culture tries to create for us and yet have no idea why things are happening in the world around us or even in our life or in our relationships. We don't ever stop to consider that... The Holy Spirit was sent to us by God to 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 encourage us, to yeah. build us up, to lift yeah. us up. And Satan has done an incredible job making it feel awkward and strange and weird, <clears throat> and convinced even some spiritual leaders to say it's of the devil. And and think about that: there are some spiritual leaders, pastors that are all over the internet. Yeah. that have said people who speak in tongues are demonic. That's a dangerous thing to say uh, uh, about it if it's true. Yeah. And because what you're attacking isn't like God's sidekick. Yeah. You're attacking Literally. God at his current in the present moment Blasphemy presence in our life. Yeah. you're bla- And it's, it's insane to even think that way. And I know what, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's done in me, what speaking in tongues has done. We see how uh, the church that's growing around the world is the Pentecostal. By the way, there are three feasts, okay? You have the Feast of Pentecost, and you have the Feast of Tabernacles. And I know we've talked about this before. And and then you got Passover. Hmm. Three times, seven feasts and three seasons, or holidays, you could say. And uh, Passover talks of salvation, talks of what Christ did in salvation. It was pointing towards salvation. And we'd all agree with that. The Feast of Tabernacles refers to the return of the Messiah, Hmm. the coming of the Lord. We would call it the rapture. They would call it the coming of the Messiah. And we would all pretty much agree with that. What is the Feast of Pentecost? Pentecost simply means 50, 50 days after Passover or after Christ paid for it. Pentecost, what happened on Pentecost? It was the giving of the Holy Spirit to all man, yeah. mankind. And yet we, we agree with the other two, but we don't agree with what, 
we, we awkward has the enemy convinced us that the Holy Spirit or the bapt or or Pentecost or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of God, is of the devil. Hmm. Well, how is baptized at salvation? No, that's not what the Bible says. It says that the Holy Spirit baptized you into Christ. Christ so, baptized you in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so Christ's baptism into the Holy Spirit, because, you know, when John talks about that, he was baptizing of water, but the man that was to come, which was Jesus, will baptize by fire. Yes. Um, there's a difference between the spirit that lives within us, that we are a temple, and the spirit that rests on Upon us. Upon us, yes. And that's the that's the thing that when, I think it was at first week, uh, in January, I, I don't remember who talked about that. It might have been you actually in a in a sermon, but it was so interesting. I'm like, okay, that makes it that makes like I have I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's it's hard to communicate. And even my friends that have asked me, they're like, bro, I don't like I'm Christian, but I don't believe in that. And uh, and in these last few years, it's kind of led me to be like, I gotta learn how to articulate this because. I've had some crazy things happen, and like I, that I can't quite describe. Now I got to put some theology behind that to like, how do I describe what God did in my life? But the resting on and the spirit within, I think, is a good example. Do you want to talk like about the differences between the two that we see on Pentecost and what Jesus did here on Earth? Well. Uh, there really is no difference between what Jesus did when he was on earth. He said, greater things than these, greater works than these you will see. He wasn't saying you're going to do more astounding things. He's saying you're going to do what I'm gonna do, I did in greater measure. So the people who argue against the Holy Spirit, my next, next question is, is, oh, so what about the greater works? What, what are you doing? Are you operating the gifts of the Spirit? And I think this is where some of the challenges... You know, if if there is someone who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not just tongues that's the evidence. There's a deeper passion. There's power. There's boldness that also comes. Those are also evidences of the Holy Spirit. And then we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't. I I think it's not for the lack of of anointing to do that. I think it's for the lack of discipleship. I think a lot of people always worry about whether or not. It's God or them doing it. Is it God or them? Even when it comes to their prayer language, it starts with a few words, and they say just a couple of words, and they think, well, I got to have this long language in order for it to, or they think it's going to be different than it really is. It's just a language that flows out of your mind, and they think somehow, like, it's an experience where the Holy Spirit comes on them and it makes your mouth go blah, 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 all yeah. over, and and they don't have any control. Like, there, there's no control. When the Spirit speaks, it goes through your mind out your mouth, meaning it's the words that are in your mind. Well, I'm, I'm the one saying it. Yes, you are, because it's got to go through your mouth, and in order to go through your mouth, it's got to come through your mind to yeah. come out of your mouth. And so, it, it absolutely, was, I think it was just me. Yes, it was you. The Spirit gave your mouth utterance, and you spoke it. Mm -hmm. So when it came out, and it comes out in a few words, you think, well, it really wasn't. I only had a few words, and everybody else who speaks in tongues. No, everybody starts with a few words. Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't, in any language you learn, you don't speak it all at one time. Like mm -hmm. Spanish, man, hola, baño, right? You learn the words you need to learn, and then over time, the more you're around 
it and you you begin to talk in it, you start to pick up things, you start to talk in that, and, and before you know it, it becomes a language that you're very fluent in. Yeah. And and um, so even if you're, you've been baptized in the Spirit and you haven't been speaking in tongues every day, you should be speaking in tongues because it's a language that transforms your surroundings. It impacts the people in your home when you pray in tongues. It impacts your life. It impacts uh, the people that you interact with. Mm-hmm. Acts 2, uh, this is where we get this scripture. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty, mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there uh, were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Okay. That is one of the things that I think I hear. And and a lot of um, non believing uh, we're all Pentecost. We're all all uh, called to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So those who don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the sense with speaking in tongues, their argument is whenever you speak in tongues, it should be a language spoken that other people understand like you're you're not I'm an English speaker so I end up speaking another language or I speak yeah. an ancient language or it's some language and I've heard that you know because there they were it's what they say they spoke in a language that all of those people could understand and yet when you read that where did it say they spoke in the language doesn't say that there it says uh, it says, uh, when when you read it, it says, and there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews of devout men from every nation under heaven. So there's many different languages, okay? And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. What sound? The sound that happened on the upper room was heard not just by the people in the upper room, but by everybody around it. The baptism of the, the what, on the day of Pentecost, when those people had the tongues of fire rest upon them. The people in the upper room weren't the only one that heard it. Mm. All the people in the surrounding area heard it and they came to see what happened. I mean, this was a a creation shifted here. They could see it. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, I want to stop. You have a bunch of people speaking in tongues. Does it say everyone heard, heard them speaking their own language, or does it say they all spoke the language of the people that were there? It said because everyone heard them speak in his own language. The, the power, and this is an incredible thing, they got the gift of interpretation and heard these people speaking in tongues, 
and they got them and they're there hearing what they're mm. saying, so you're saying they and the interpretation speak. was in their ear. Mm. Now, I, there's a story of someone that attends one of our campuses. He spoke in tongues, I'll, and I'll be very quick. It's an incredible story. Someone who who didn't really believe in the baptism, only got baptized in the Holy Spirit, was speaking in tongues, w- went home after the retreat, was praying over his daughter who happened to be on the phone with somebody. And she's in the back seat of the car praying for her who is in the front seat of the car. After a while, she sets the phone down, hangs up. He finishes praying for her in tongues the entire time, gets out of the car and leaves. She calls the person who is on the phone back, apologizes for her father speaking in tongues over her and said, that must have been weird and confusing. And the person said, what? He wasn't, I understood everything he said. The person on the phone heard what he was saying in tongues in his language, English. So if you read that, for all those people who say when you speak in tongues, it's got to be in a language. It's got to be. It's got to be in a language that that person understands. It doesn't say that there. It says that they heard it in their language. That that when they spoke, they heard it in their language. And and how is it that we hear each of our own language in which we were born? By the way, there are hundreds of different people there from all over the place. How could they be speaking in every single language at the, and for them to understand. You ever been in a crowd? They weren't speaking a hundred different, different languages all at the same time. Yeah. I couldn't speak. I, I got to speak one language at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a multitude saying we're hearing it all in our language. And it says, and how is it that we hear each of our own languages in which we were born? It, and another experience, there was, we had a prayer meeting. Uh, on a a Thursday night and a gentleman was praying and we had two Kenyan brothers, literal brothers that were there and somebody that this one individual turned to them and prayed over them in tongues. Those two brothers who are new to the church left. 15 minutes, they come back. After the prayer meeting was done, they left. 15 minutes, they come back and there were people standing around and that person who had prayed for them was standing around. They went up to that person who had prayed for them in tongues and said, you prayed perfect uh, uh, from the native language of Kenya, where they were from. You prayed our language perfectly when you prayed over us. you know what you were saying? And then they told him back what he was praying in their native tongue. So they heard what he was praying in their native tongue and could tell him exactly what he was praying. So so some of those things seem like these profound nail in the coffin, done with baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the evidence just doesn't support it. When you look at the scripture, it said they heard them. Could it be that just as the gift of interpretation, when someone, we hear that in our language and we understand pretty incredible it's um the thing is too i think that we there, we think that it's we make it way more complicated than it is and one of them was uh i see like an acts 10 <coughs> you know the story about uh cornelius and the gentiles yeah and, uh, that's pretty trippy like even the, the start of the verse this dude was just following jewish tradition uh by giving alms and was a God-fearing man, uh, had the traditions of the Jews, but didn't know who Jesus was until an angel appeared to him 
saying, his alms have reached heaven, sent, uh, sent servants to Peter because the angel had told them to. Then, anyway, skipping forward uh, in verse uh, Acts 10, verse 44, uh, the Spirit of God fell on them. And this is where we see it. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard and uh, heard the word. And the believers from among them, the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. Pretty amazing. And just when, started speaking. Well, and you're dealing, and at this time, that's a big deal because they're yeah. Gentiles. You got to remember, um, in the history of the Old Testament, you were you were really a believer if you became a Jew. Yeah. So they viewed the only way to really being God's people were were Jews. If you're yeah. not God's people, you're not. No. Or if you're not a Jew, you're not God's people. This is, and that's what they're brought up in. The Gentile was unclean, they weren't worthy, and now a Roman centurion, which, which were violent uh, soldiers in the Roman Empire, uh, you have to understand what a centurion did to understand how they treated Jewish people. Not only is he just a Roman soldier, he's a leader of Roman soldiers that yeah. torment and keep the Jews in bondage. And God goes to someone who would have been the least of those they would have thought would even be baptized in water. And not only does he baptize them into salvation by, by trying to discover God, he, he puts the Holy Spirit upon him and says, now go out and do these things. I think one other thing that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does, Jesus didn't really start his ministry until he was baptized in the Spirit when he came up out of the water and the dove ascended, then he started his ministry. I think what we have to understand is the anointing is when the, when the tongues of fire rest upon you, you have just been anointed for ministry. And you have to recognize the calling isn't just saying I'm called to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or a teacher or a lead. We are all anointed and called to do the work of ministry. And we will all give an account, an accounting, an answer to how we handled that anointing God put over our life. Yeah. That's really interesting. There's so much to, to talk about, but I think it's the most important thing, if anyone gets anything from this this episode, is that that it's for them. Yeah, it's for everyone. It's for and, everyone. And, and I think, you know, in Zephaniah... It says, it talks about how at the Tower of Babel, that, that language was that they could do anything. Mm -hmm. What was the thing God changed? He took away their language. Mm -hmm. The power of words. Mm -hmm. And when we speak in the words of the Spirit, nothing can stop us. So there's, the, Zephaniah says that there will be a day where someone would return back to us the words that were lost at, at Babel. And wow. that's what this, this language is throughout old and knew we see that we see mm. that that the disciples would have been baptized in the spirit they would have prayed in tongues the the there's this argument that uh that dispensation or that period of time is no long no longer exists no longer do we see the miracles no 
I mean, stop and consider what mm. that means. So God said it was important for the early church to have that, but it's not important for us to do that today. Yeah. At what point did this dispensation change? Like, at what point did God say, enough, I'm not going to let my spirit... To... Where, where is the motivation of God? What is the motivation of God to stop all the things that he was doing in the mm. early church? Why would he do that if it was for the common good which it says in Corinthians, for the common good, why would he stop giving those gifts of the Spirit to us? It makes no sense if you know the character of Christ. We need it as much today. So the, the prophetic word, the words of knowledge, the words of wisdom, the words of uh, 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 the prophetic word, the tongues, interpretation of tongues, the uh, faith, miracles, healing, all of those are giftings that God gives us for the common good. And and then there's other people who will say, well, it's only for some people. You'll, you'll find certain even leaders on TV and on the internet that will say, um, I have the gift of healing. Come to me and I will heal. Well, la-di-da, right? If you have the Holy Spirit, everyone has the gift of healing. The Holy Spirit, what he brings into your life is he gives you what you need for the situation you're in. So if you're in the presence of someone who needs healing, you have the gift of healing. If you're in the presence of someone and God wants to give him a gift of wisdom, you have the gift of wisdom. If God wants to speak to them about something, you now got the gift of prophecy if he comes through you. We pack all nine gifts of the Spirit, but I I would encourage you to do this. How many believers do you know that know what the nine gifts are? How many know all nine gifts can tell you what they are? It's getting fewer and fewer because we fail to recognize how important the gifts of the Spirit are to our daily life. Yeah. We got the gauntlet, all the infinity stones. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I thought of. I thought about all the infinity stones with the gifts of the Spirit. But yeah, it was, that was an interesting podcast. Every time we talk about it, it's like, there's, there's we've already covered this in a former episode, but yeah. I think it's something that, constantly needs to be talked about because the more and more I realize like like when you try to explain it to someone or even if you start speaking in tongues uh, even with new believers sometimes or people that have been in the church can I get this it's like oh yeah that's wait I remember there was a student that came up uh because at Lake Geneva they do it every year there's like a day where it's baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, I remember the guy that was speaking on stage he rushed through it like just rushed through it on what happened or what it even is and just fast forwarded to the end. And so people started speaking in tongues. And, uh, and I remember our pastor, uh, that I was under, he was saying, he's like, get ready. This guy is blowing through this and there's going to be a lot of explaining that we're going to have to do because he did not cover it. And, uh, and so sure enough, we're sitting up front and students are coming up to receive the baptism of the Holy spirit. And there was one, one sweet little girl. She's like, She's, she, she walks up and she's like tearing up, but like bewildered. Like she is tripping out and looking around at everyone. She goes, she looks at, she goes, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and if you know, I had to use it because if you know who she is, just like this sweet, like, like girl, like not even in her vocabulary. She's like, what is going on? 
And uh, and I could tell, like, I, I started, like, trying to explain what was going on. And then eventually she's, like, not even, like, comprehending it. And I just turned her over to uh, <laughs> someone else. I was like, all right, you, you need to, like, process this, process this uh, with someone well, else. And, and what's funny to me is how many things, um, how many things, the people who really struggle with it are typically people who are raised in a church and got some religious training. That's true. They're the really people true. who the people who have like no religious training at all, everything is strange to uh-huh. them. Everything is new to them. So That's they true. they don't have any like preconceived ideas or of what it's supposed to look like. It's the reli- the people who were in religion and it was just a bunch of a cognitive humanism like a bunch of rules rather than an experience. And yeah. and there's there's truth and there's words, but Without the experience, they 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 co- coexist. There's an experience that the truth brings mm-hmm. to us, and so so uh, there was a guy that uh, had gotten saved in Michigan when we were there, and he was a, just a I mean literally out of the gate, four weeks saved, had not been in the church at all, mm-hmm. had never been in the church, and but he gave his life to Christ, and his girlfriend who he's living with. Um, was kind of there, not really, hadn't really accepted Christ yet, uh, didn't know what it was. She had been in the church, kind of religious, and somehow they ended up there because he wanted to come and she agreed to go along. And and then he gets his gives his life to Christ. Well, about three or four weeks after that salvation experience, he's in the middle of uh, worship. And if you don't know what that is in church, when, when you go to church, there's a, just a time where people come and we kind of just do what God created us for. We give worship to God. We sing songs that glorify God. And it's a pretty powerful moment, it's, if, especially when people come with the intention to worship God. It, it really is a moment where a lot of healing can take place, where I've seen depressed people totally set free. I've seen people healed without ever anyone praying for them in the midst of worship when it's when it's really what it's intended to be. Well, in this situation, this guy's worshiping God. He's in the moment. I mean, this guy's only been in this three weeks, and he starts speaking in tongues. And he He's with his eyes wide open, speaking in tongues. He looks at his girlfriend and she goes, what are you doing? And he goes, he stops and he goes, I don't know, but it's amazing. And then he keeps doing it again and again. And he, he, he's like, he couldn't. And uh, so the next week I have an appointment just pop up on my calendar. And I was pretty, when I was there, it was pretty busy. Every day was somewhat busy. And all of a sudden this appointment pops up and he comes in and his name was Rick. And I go, hey, Rick, how are you doing? And He's like, man, I think I'm demon-possessed. I said, you're demon-possessed? I mean, I just met the guy, so I, I didn't know what. He goes, no, dude, I think I'm demon-possessed. I don't know what happened to me. On Sunday morning, he said, something happened, and it felt so good. It was amazing. I just knew it had to be the devil. And I started talking in these words, and I couldn't describe them. I have no idea what they mean. And, and I said, when, when you did it when you're in the middle of worship? He goes, yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? I was worshiping God one minute, and then the devil's speaking through my mouth the next. And I said, dude, you didn't get, you're not demon-possessed. You just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he goes, is it worse? <laughs> he had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. And I said, spirit, 
if you're in the world, the only thing spirit you tie to is must be demon. Like he had no idea what the Holy Spirit. So I had to teach even that, that no, it's God. Like mm-hmm. there is a holy set apart spirit that rests upon you. He's like, I am so, I feel so good because it felt so good to me. And I thought if it was God, it wouldn't feel good. Like it never feels, it's all the good stuff. He goes, now he's like, I have never felt, and, and, he, and he described, he says, when I did drugs, I never felt that good. Wow. And he goes, I've wanted to do it and I've been fighting this thing because I want to speak. Here he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one touched him. No one told him about it. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, no clue what it was. And it filled him, and he he just began praying. It became very powerful. He, his girlfriend didn't like any of it, ends up breaking up with him, and he ended up marrying someone else. But the 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 reality is, is it's meant for all of us. Mm-hmm. And and if you have a problem with it or or you think it's demonic, don't tell me it's demonic. Show me where in the Bible it says it is. Yeah. Cause because I forgive me if you're watching this and you think, well, it's demonic and I can't believe you're talking about it. And you're, you're just, okay, let me have you stop. Who told you it was demonic Ooh. and where did they tell you it was demonic? Where, where, where did they show you it was demonic? Because I can show you all of the places in scriptures. I'm not going to argue with my opinion. I'm going to argue with scriptures where it's revealed. What I find is most people who are against it want to argue with what they were told or how they were raised or some pastor said or, uh, you know, and, and who's robbing you of a relationship with the present God? it's one thing to have a relationship with Christ, which is important. And it's another to have a relationship with the Father. But who's who's robbing you of the relationship with the presence of God? The present presence of God, right here. Jesus said, I'm leaving you, but I'm gonna send another. He says, I'm gonna send another. I'm gonna send the presence of another as though I was there. Someone's robbing you of the presence of, of as though Christ was there, the presence of God in your life right here. Mm-hmm. Who told you you were naked? Like, yeah. When you said that, like serpent went and stole from them. Uh, to end the podcast, can you share the story of Heather uh, receiving the Spirit when you guys were were dating? Yeah, and and I think we I did this in the last one as well, and it's an incredible story. It's really her story, and she always shares it better. But when we were dating in college. I, I I believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. From that time I got baptized in the Spirit at 12, it became such a big part of my life that I knew I couldn't marry someone who was not baptized in the Spirit. And, and the reason is, is I need the Holy Spirit to rest on me, and I needed the Holy Spirit to rest on her. And it's that big of a deal. It's that big of a deal. And she was incredibly attractive, um, uh, still is, and um, and and most beautiful woman I had ever set my eyes on. She she really kind of met all of the things I wanted in a wife. She was called into ministry, but she wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I told her, I said, "Honey, you need to be baptized in the Spirit, or I can't marry you." And she said, "I don't think it's for everybody. I don't believe it's for everybody. It's just what's the big deal about it? What's the hubbub? And if you've never been baptized in the Spirit, you can't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. She didn't know what she was missing. Mm -hmm. So 
I said, will you pray about it? Because there's no way I can marry you if you're not going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So she she prayed about it, and she did what she did back in that time, at least. She would never let me know she did it then, but uh, since then she said, she she just shot up her prayer, God, if this is you, then let me get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She just didn't understand why it was that big of a deal to me. The next day or the couple of days after, she's in chapel at the school we attended, and you know most of it's young people, but there was this older lady sitting in this chapel. There are no windows really shining in the light from outside. It's, it's, it's a darker room with the lighting that's controlled, and yet she said while she was standing there, the sun was shining on her. Well, there's no way the sun could have shined, but there was a light like the sun coming through the window shining on her, and you know, she noticed her. And the Lord said to her, you need to pray for that woman. And Heather uh, saw the woman, just said, no, I'm not going to pray for that woman. She just, in her mind, she's thinking, whatever. And that woman, chapel ends, the woman's standing right where she's coming out of her aisle. And God says, pray for this woman. And she walks around the woman. There's one other place. She goes and God says, pray for that woman. She walks around the woman and and uh, goes to the mail room. Uh, she's coming out of the mail room or going into the mail room and the woman's there and, and God again tells her, pray for the woman. She walks around the woman, goes to get her mail, comes out, the woman's gone. But as she's leaving the building, the woman is standing in probably the most public place in the entire campus where people are. And the woman's standing there and Heather goes or uh, goes to leave and goes to go around her. And the God clearly told her again, pray for that woman. And as she goes to go around the woman, the woman grabs her and says, ma'am, you're supposed to pray for me. And of course, you know, at that point, uh, one, there's this idea of, oh, I've been hearing from God that's been God. And it's an incredible thing when you know the voice of God, like you knew, and now you know that was God speaking to you and she affirmed it. But uh, so she took her book, set them down, and, the, and the, took the woman's hands, and she began to pray for the woman in English. And the woman said to her, no, pray in your spirit language. And immediately, Heather began speaking in tongues over the woman, and she felt the woman let go of her hands, thought she was still there, but had let go of her hands. And here she is in a very public area of the university. She could have done it in chapel where it would have been most common, but she disobeyed. And, uh, and she ends up in this public place praying in tongues with like just flowing out of her, just praying in the spirit language. And when she came in, came to me, she was like a different person. She, it, there was a different fire in her. And today wow. there's a different fire in her than there was at that point in time. And she's praying in tongues. And uh, she never saw that woman again. Uh, she was gone when she opened her eyes and she's never, never saw the rest of the time she was at North Central. Wow. You know, the reality is, is I know that one, God wanted the two of us to be together, but more important, God wanted Heather to operate in the spirit because Heather's got an incredible anointing on her. And to operate in power, it isn't in wisdom and knowledge. Knowing stuff about the Bible doesn't change lives. Say that again. It's the power 
on what you bring up. A toaster that isn't plugged in is useless. It has all the ability to do what it needs to do, but it doesn't have the power to do it. And and it's why in movements around the world we're seeing spirit filled movements do the same type of things, but but get different results because when you're operating in the spirit, you're not you're participating with God. You're not talking about Him and hoping it changes. You're saying this is who He is, and He's with me right here, and 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 we're basically out. Think of it this way: This is incredible. When when Jesus sent the disciples out. He breathed on them, and they went and did incredible miracles. When Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and comes down, they couldn't do anything. They're like, what, what, what must we do? The, the power of the Spirit, when Jesus, he basically breathed upon them the Spirit to go and operate. If it wasn't important to have the Spirit on us, then why would he breathe on them? Why did he need to breathe on them? If it was about knowledge, if it was about their experiences, he didn't teach them more, say, oh, by the way, here's class 101, 201, and 301 before you go and do miracles. No, he said, let me breathe on you. When the, In the early church, they anointed them and then sent them out to do ministry. Is there an importance of knowing knowledge and having a theology? Absolutely. But theology without power does not change anything. It's the tree of knowledge. It's not, it's not the tree of life. In Acts 4.13, now this is where, where um, uh, they were standing, the apostles were standing before the council, Peter and John, and... Uh, and so this is their, like, this is what they perceived it had happened. They just go through the list and really are defending themselves and, and testifying about Jesus. And these are smart men. Like, the people that they're standing before, mm-hmm. like, these are these are not, like, your average dudes. These dudes were smart. And what they say, they said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, won the boldness, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Yeah. You talk about the knowledge. That's where we think that it's all about. If I can, if I, Alex, if I just read more, if I read as much as you and I get to that level, um, I think I'm really going to enact some of these gifts. It, it's, you see the boldness came and the, and when they had perceived that they, I'm like, these dudes are normal. There's yeah. nothing special about them, but there is something different. These guys had been with Jesus. Yeah. What is your what is your Well, that that I mean it comes down to this. I you know, I had a discussion with a young man who's doing incredible work uh trying to help people break free from the poverty mentality that they've been raised in. And and one way is we need to teach them and give them knowledge and then give them financial assistance. And I'm like you can give them all the money in the world. There's this sense that if if you just knew better, you would do better. If we just gave you the tools of knowing, you would do better. If we increase better education would raise you up. Better education would do that. Or if we gave you more money, then it would raise you up. It's failure to understand that the only power to transform a life and bring change is Christ. Money won't change the life. Even if you get more money and you get more knowledge, you're still, life doesn't come from more knowledge. It doesn't come from more money. It comes from Christ. Christ says, I'm life, right? So I asked him, I said, and this is a great, I said, this person's 
got a spirit of death, poverty mentality, uh, feels like a loser. We're saying we're going to give you knowledge and we're going to financially make sure you can go and get more knowledge. And then that's going to make you have life. That's going to give you prosperity. That's going to make you feel like you're an overcomer and a winner. Mm. Well, that's completely unbiblical. Mm. The Bible says that we're overcomers because of Christ, yeah. not because... And, and you say, well, why are you bringing it up, Pastor? You know, that, that's, we all get it. Well, okay. Then as believers, how many times have I heard this statement? Well, if I had more money, I could do what God's telling me to do. Well, who's making your decisions, God or mammon? You know, the the reality is we, too many Christians say, or I'll say, I'll say, you know, winning the lottery is only going to make your life worse. If you could handle the lottery, you would have won it a long time ago. But you can't handle, well, it'd make it better. No, it wouldn't. Because if it would make it better, you're saying God's holding out on you. If, if you could handle that and actually use the resources, and the, you, you're struggling just to tithe. If you could be obedient and follow and come closer to God and it would help you get closer to God, you would absolutely win whatever it is you'd win. God would give you whatever finances you needed because God does not hold out on, in, on you on anything, in anything that won't destroy you. It's the same thing with Abraham. Like imagine if Abraham was like, God, like, let me wait until I can figure some stuff out before I get that promise. Instead, right. no, he, the reason why he was counted as righteous is because he believed him even when it didn't make sense. Right. And even to the point where he was going up to sacrifice his son, he still had the belief that God was going to somehow work it out, even though he was telling him to do this. Like he trusted the character of God so much. And the problem is, is not that is is not the the idea of like, I think a lot of people were like, well, it is about money and this and that. And I literally, this is what I plan to do with the money. It's not about that. It's about you see that as a limiting factor. Uh, and and a, like God is supersedes your issues and he is the giver. That's the problem that we yeah. that we start with, that somehow we can conjure up. And the interesting thing is, and this is what they talked about prayer and at prayer and fasting retreat uh, when we went there. Uh, the pastors, it was it was really focusing on the presence of God. Uh, that we are so obsessed with knowledge, uh, and we want to obtain more schooling and education and all these different things, and we think that knowledge is the way to salvation or healing. And it's really. Like, how much are you spending time with Jesus? Like, your ministry should be an outflow of your love life with Christ. And I think a lot of us, and me included, like, I fall short of that too, where I try to base my life and my ministry sometime off of my knowledge rather than going to the source. It's interesting. I think it's a challenge for a lot of people because it's not one or the other. Yeah. It's, they're interlinked. Yeah. You know, when you operate, if if you're if it's all about the knowledge and you're not seeing any power, maybe you should stop and and connect to the Lord. Yeah. You know, and it will help you understand the knowledge even even more so. Um, but we're it, it's we become more about a humanistic gospel that as if knowledge can set us free and and change us. And and I think you know. Uh, you know, I share this all the time. I've been sharing it a lot. It's in Kairos, um, and you can watch it in Kairos video. It'll give you more uh, 
closer look at it. But when you read the Bible, most people read the Bible like a book, like they read a book. And the, the words in a book are just symbols. They communicate to you a thought. Well, when you read the Bible, just like you read a book, you ain't going to get much out of it as if it's an instructional manual, how to. So there's a reason a lot of people won't read it. It's like, I've already read it. Yeah. And if I've already read it, it's just like a book. They yeah. think of it as just like, book. I've read it. I know what that story is. I know what it says. Why would I read it again, right? Then there's another level, and they read it to change the way they think. It's a thought process. So I'm going to read it, and I'm going to try to get out of it. So I'm reading it to kind of learn new thought processes, new and the things that we can't reconcile in our, in our mind, we just go over them. We just pretend like consider it pure joy that you face trials of all kind because that doesn't fit within our natural setting, our natural understanding. We just ignore it and pretend like we didn't read it and say, oh, it's okay. Thank God for grace, mm-hmm. right? But here's the level God wants us to read at where it changes our worldview, where our reflex response to life is biblical, where we don't for instance, one of the great passages, I use it all the time for this illustration, is that the Bible says, if someone steals your coat, you should give them your scarf as well. Well, in the instructional level, we think that's crazy. I'm not at that point. I'm not that strong of a believer. I can't do it. And we only look at what the action is. We look at the action as, one, me giving up a coat, then what will I have? Okay, at the thought process level, we say, oh, I need to give up my coat and my scarf because then I'll be like Christ. And maybe at that level, we're thinking, and God's my provider. And that's what I'm learning is that God's my provider. At the worldview level, we look at it completely different. This is how we view it from the worldview level. When we read the entire Bible where it becomes us, he says you eat the word and it becomes you, becomes life to you. At the worldview level, you just, when you when someone takes your coat, you say, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me give you my scarf. You don't even think about it. It's just how you respond to it because, because when you see that person, you love them. And when you love them, you know that if they take your coat, that action makes them a thief. And as for you, I don't want them ever to be considered a thief because of something they did to me. So I'm going to make it a blessing to them and say, listen, if you take it from me, you're a thief. But if I give it to you, you're blessed. So as for me, I love you. I want you to be blessed. You're not a thief. Here, take my scarf as well. Because you know, one, God provides for you. God gave it to you. He took it. So it must have been an opportunity. You, your your worldview, and you don't you don't go around saying, "Look at what I did," because it's just it's just who you are. Yeah. It becomes how you view the world, how you view, and and it's at that level when we read read the word. The words aren't tell, they're not teaching us something. The words when we're reading are transforming the way our mind thinks. Like, I've read the story a hundred times, read it another hundred times. As you're reading it, it is actually, out loud, as you're reading the word, it's actually changing the way your brain interprets the world around you. And you no longer, at the instructional level, you're like, there's no way I could do that. 
But at the worldview level, you've read it so much, it, you don't even think about not doing it. You just do it like you wouldn't think any other way. That's where the church, I think, when we become biblically illiterate, we're like, we don't even know the stories anymore. It's way worse than that. Yeah. We, we can know the stories, and we think that's great because I know the stories. We can know the stories, but if it isn't transformed us to, to respond or, or to ref, uh, you know, have a reflex that way, then, then we're, we're stuck. It's like walking away from looking at yourself in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, um, really good conversation today. Um, I pray that those of you that are watching, you got something from this. Uh, but if you have any questions, as I expect you would, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to be more specific and, and answer the questions that you guys uh, ask or, or want to hear, whether it's a Bible story or a scripture that you're wrestling with. This is fun for us to be able to uh, to do with you guys and and come alongside you as we we teach uh, the Bible. So, uh, ways that you can connect with us during the week, uh, whether you're watching or listening right now, we have a YouTube channel, uh, for those of you that, uh, are listening, uh, right now on Spotify, our YouTube channel that we've been posting is now on experience the truth. We're making our way over, uh, to its own channel, no longer being posted on Bethel's rock. Um, so make sure you, you keep an eye out for that. We also have an Instagram uh, experience, the truth podcast that you can follow for daily Bible teaching, as well as we post clips uh, on TikTok as well, and we go live uh, every single day uh, there on TikTok doing a, a Bible study. Right now, we're going through uh, Romans currently. So if you guys want to reach out to us, there's access all during the week and multiple points of contact, or you can just email us, uh, and we'd love to just be a friend that you need to talk to. But other than that, we love you guys. Uh, we hope that this blessed you today, and we hope to see you uh, next week.